Praise God. Well, today is August 29th, and it is our last Sunday in the month of August. We're getting ready to launch into the fall. September is right around the corner, which is a blessing for many of us. How many, for some of you guys, September really feels like, like the beginning of your new year? That's how I feel sometimes a lot. Like September is like the beginning of my new year. So, so I know this comes for many of us as a new season, a new time of year um, where the Lord brings us back to teaching us, reminding us, getting back to the basics, lots of things like that. Um, as Mario said, the app is right there. It's still being developed. We'll still be bringing updates and improvements to the app really just aimed at helping us as a church connect better, helping us as a church to utilize the resources and the tools that are there at our disposal so we could grow in Jesus Christ, grow in the word of God, and grow in fellowship with one another as the church. Praise the Lord. Um, so we are going to continue in our message, um, our teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is a powerful text. It is a powerful text. Okay? We've been learning that Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are a part of one large teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody say Sermon on the Mount. And it's called Sermon on the Mount because Jesus preached his sermon there on the side of a mountaintop where many people were able to come and hear this life-changing, really revolutionary message. A message that was very different from the way that the, the, the Jewish leaders and teachers, Pharisees, had been teaching different from the teaching that people had been receiving in the synagogues. And the fact of the matter is, can I make it really, really simple for us, you guys? The gospel or the message or teaching or preaching often did not happen outside of the synagogue. And synagogue comes from the Greek word sunago, which means to gather together. So synagogue just means that it was the place of gathering or assembly for the Jews, they would come together in community centers or churches where they would, they would read the Torah and then they would have a teaching or a lesson on Torah and they would also sing songs. And Jesus was a part of that religion and faith. But guess what? The teachers of the law, they did not go and take the word of God outside of those places. They didn't take the word of God outside of the temple or the synagogue, these places of worship. So for Jesus to be out preaching and teaching in the open air to the masses, to the multitudes, was really setting a new precedent for the word of God. Can I hear an amen? It was a very different way of receiving the word of God, which, which is why it was strange which is why many teachers of the Jewish law, when they would come and just to, to peek or to hear, right, what was going on, they were very, being very critical. And how many of you know that we learned what the word critical means, right? It comes from the, the same word as judge from last week, right? 
kritokos, right? To judge or to be critical. So we're learning that they would come just to listen, just to be critical and just to judge and say, oh, what is he doing? He is perverting the word of God. But how many of you know that Jesus was not perverting the word of God? He was actually the word of God in flesh. Amen. He was the embodiment. Jesus was the epitome of the very word of God. And that was what the masses were there to hear and to see and to listen to. And they saw right away that Jesus taught and preached with a different kind of authority. A different kind of authority. Because Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God with him. Somebody say the kingdom. Jesus was bringing the kingdom with him. Wherever he went, Jesus brought the kingdom. Jesus taught and preached the kingdom message, the gospel, which is the good news. So today, as we go to Matthew chapter 7, which for us is the last chapter, but it's got many different small sections in the Bible, we see that it is the last portion of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. So we need to see the Sermon on the Mount chapters 5, 6, and 7, as one large message. Amen? How many of you are with me so far? Okay. On your, on your app, there's also a section right there for notes. Did you know that? So if you download the app, you can find a little place right there to write your own notes. So, Jesus wanted to bring the kingdom of God to the people. The kingdom of heaven, you guys, was a new teaching. It was a new teaching for the people of God, for both Jew and Gentile. So Jesus was bringing this message not just for the Jews, although Matthew was a Jew himself, and the way Matthew wrote and the way Matthew explained or described the gospel according to the life the birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was to try and persuade his fellow brethren, the Jews, that Jesus of Nazareth was, in fact, the Messiah. Are you with me, church? Matthew was trying to convince his people that Jesus was the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. Amen? And the Mashiach, Mashiach, or Messiah, is from the Hebrew word Mashiach. Anointed one. Well, did you know in the, in the Greek language, how many of you, do you, are you guys okay when I talk about the languages of Greek and Hebrew? Do you, is that okay? As long as I keep it simple and you can follow me, is that okay? Okay, so Mashiach comes from Hebrew, and that means Messiah, anointed one or king. Okay, so in the Greek language, which was the common language of that whole land, apart from Hebrew, Greek was one of the written languages and spoken language. It was called Koine Greek. Koine Greek, K-O-I-N-E. Koine Greek means common Greek language. And so when Jesus was come, guess what? The Greek word for Messiah is Christos. Everybody say Christos. And Christos is where we get the word Christ. Like in Spanish, Cristo. 
So Matthew was trying to preach a message of the kingdom of God and that Jesus of Nazareth was, in fact, the Christos. He was the Christ. He was the anointed one. It was very, very hard for the Jews to accept this because they were expecting a Messiah, but they were expecting a very different type or different looking, right, kind of Messiah. They were, they were expecting somebody who was going to liberate them from Roman rule or oppression because the Jews were under the Roman oppression, under the Roman government. Are you tracking with me so far? They were their own people group. They had their own religion. They had their own traditions. And many would say they were their own culture. But they came under the Roman Empire. So they were really subjects. Although they were free, they were a part of a greater and larger system that did not belong to them. Notice many times Jesus in his teaching referenced, give to, what, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Caesar was not just a name of somebody. Caesar is the same word as Kaiser, or Kaiser meaning king. Amen? So Jesus says, well, give to the king of Rome what is his or theirs, and give to God what is God's. Can I, can I hear an amen? So Jesus was teaching the, the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Jesus was introducing the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was not a self-help message. Hallelujah. Jesus' sermon, uh, sermon on the Mount, guess what? Wasn't a way for you to overcome the different things that you struggle with in life. Although we have many, that was not the purpose of the message of the kingdom of God. I was reading in my Bible the other day, and as I was studying for this passage, guess what, church? I was, I was actually a little bit grieved and I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I was very grieved. Watch this. Pay attention. Because in my Bible, in this section of Matthew chapter 7 or Matthew chapter 6 or any other ver- version of your, your Bible translation, I was, I, was, I was taken aback by the fact that there are little small subtitles or headings over the different sections of, of, of Scripture. Are you, are you following me so far? For example, for example, in Matthew chapter 6, Verses 25 through 33, and one of the Bibles that I was studying, the title, the subtitle, it has nothing to do with the Word of God. It has nothing to do with the Word of God. But watch this. I'm, it, it all ties in to what the message is for today, the lesson, the teaching. It said, the cure for anxiety. That's what it said above Matthew chapter 25 through 33. Pops. Pops. I was puzzled by that because the last time I checked, the word of God wasn't given to us and in order that we go to it just so that we can can see which problem that I have that the Bible can remedy. Jesus was not preaching to the multitudes in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 through 33 and saying, hey, and by the way, I have the cure for anxiety. It's a little bit of yerba buena. And a little bit of rubbing alcohol. Like Jesus was not a a black magic witch doctor. Jesus was not the author of a self-help book. Jesus' sole purpose in his teaching and in his preaching and in his living and in his life and in his loving and in his changing, radically transforming 
The world, when he came, you guys, was to introduce the kingdom of God and everything that the kingdom of God brings with it. In in other words, Jesus was saying, I am now going to bring you what the Father, what I, what the Holy Spirit now have for you. And that is the message of Jesus' teaching and his preaching and his life. So in Matthew chapter 4, let's start there, although that's not our primary text for today. I want to start there. I want to start in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And it says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee. Somebody say Galilee. Teaching in their synagogues. We just talked about that, right? Preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So we see Jesus went to the synagogues and he was also sharing in the teaching, having been raised up in the very word of God. So Matthew chapter 4 is setting the tone for Jesus' ministry. Teach, preach, heal, save. Amen? He's like, you know what? This message is so powerful, we're going to take it to the streets. Taking it to the streets. Taking it to the streets. Jesus knew he had to take the message that, that the, of the kingdom out to the people. Because the Jews were the only ones that were able to come to the synagogue. They had to show their membership card. I'm a Jew. Members only jackets. Y'all remember those members only jackets when in seventh grade? I had a powder blue members only jacket, bro, with the little with the little uh, little clasp and button right here on the shoulders. I was fresh, with my Latigre button up collar shirt. You know, oh, don't get me started. Members only. Jesus is like, man, bump all this members only stuff. You know, and let me, you know, church membership. It ain't about a card. It ain't about perks. It ain't about what you get because you're part of the body of Christ at Mission Ebenezer. No, church membership is having to do with being a member of the body. Hello. 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 Church membership is body membership. It's We're a body part. Every member of the body. And Mission Ebenezer is a part of the greater body, the greater family. The greater kingdom. Can I hear an amen? amen? So in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew's laying it out for us right here. And he's saying, by the way, Jesus came, watch this, preaching the good news of what? What does it say right there in verse 23? Let's just stay in the word. What does it say? Preaching the good news of what? Of, of the kingdom. Of the kingdom. Somebody say Kingdom. All right, now go to chapter 5, the beginning of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. Verse 1, we're going back to verse 1. He says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. Then go to verse 10. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, For theirs is the kingdom of what? The kingdom of heaven. So what is the the, the heart of Jesus' sermon, of his message? What is it? The kingdom. And And if we're good students of the word of God, then what chapters in Matthew, in Matthew's version, or according to Matthew, are a part of this teaching of the kingdom of God? What chapters in Matthew? Five through seven. All right, everybody... 
Everybody say five through seven. Okay, so you're tracking with me, praise the Lord. Let's continue. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This Bible, praise the Lord, I'll still use that Bible. I'm just not going to read the subtitle. Because it may give me a whole different kind of meaning than what the purpose of the word of God was in the first place. The Bible is not meant to just go and just leave us hanging and say, oh, you know what, just, here's your cure for anxiety. No. And I'm not saying that the word of God can't deliver you from anxiety. Jesus healed every disease. Jesus healed every sickness. The words of Jesus heal. The hands and feet of the people of God can heal the sick, heal the lame. The message that we preach and teach and the love that we have for one another can do miracles, can save, can heal sickness, can heal disease. The very receiving of the, and hearing of the word of God can bring healing. It can deliver us from every sickness, every disease, every trouble, every problem that we face and that we're going through right now. Like Pastor Joe said, no matter what struggle we have been going through or what we may be facing today, guess what? The word of God can give you the power to overcome and deliver us from whatever it is that we are facing right now. But it is not just a cure for anxiety. For in Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 33, Jesus says, do not worry. Look what he says, watch. Do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, drink, or your body, what you will wear, so on and so forth. Then he goes on to elaborate and illustrate why we should not worry. He says this, his heart for this particular nugget of wisdom and pearl of teaching is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where he says, therefore, what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, what? Shall be added unto who? You. So seek first the kingdom. Somebody say, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and his goodness and his rightness. Seek first the kingdom of God and do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And then everything that you need, God will supply. Everything that you bring to him, he will deliver us from it. So now let's go to verse, uh, chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Let us read. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds it. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who gives good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, somebody say in everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. That's the golden rule, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Many people call Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, the golden rule. How many of you have ever heard that? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
You've heard many people say, treat others as you would have them treat you. Amen? Well, how is therefore un, the Greek word un, it's a very small word, O-U-N, un, therefore, so that, in order that, how does that connect verse 12 to verses 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11? He says, ask, and you shall receive, seek, and you shall find it. It's actually third person singular when it says seek, and you shall find it. It doesn't say you shall find. It says you shall find it in the original language. And then knock, and the door shall be opened to you. It says the door shall be opened to you, men? Praise the Lord. So watch this. Let's go now to verse 7, and let's comb through the word. Jesus first says, ask, and it's an imperative. It's a command. It's the mood of obligation. Jesus says, ask. He's, he commands us to, to ask. He says, ask, and you shall receive. Now remember, Jesus is teaching about what? In Matthews 5, 6, and 7, the kingdom of God. Jesus says, ask, and you will receive. He makes a statement with the condition, but the condition is a promise. Then he says, seek. Go and look for something that is sought. He says, seek, and ye shall find it. You will find it. If you seek, you will find it. And then finally, in the, the last movement of the first section of 7 through 12, he says, knock, and the door will be opened to you. It's a second person, middle passive verb right here. It will happen to you. The door shall be opened to you. Or for you. Are you with me so far, people? Hopefully I'm not losing us. School's starting, so I'm get, we're, we're, we're diving into the education. So watch this. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, the door shall be open for you. The last time I checked, Jesus was not a liar. Today I'm not apologizing. Today I'm not trying to change something into something for our benefit. Because that's what will happen if we're not careful. We'll just go to things. We'll go to people for our benefit. We'll go to the word just for our benefit only, but not out of the benefit of God or the kingdom. But Jesus has given us the word of God to give us the kingdom of God so that we can have everything that he possesses, everything that he has. So when Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, he really means it. He's not lying when he says, if you ask, you shall receive. If you, if you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door shall be opened. Jesus is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie. That's what my Bible tells me. So if I'm to take the words of Christ very literally right here and accept what Jesus said, 
ask, seek, and knock, then guess what? I'm going to believe Jesus at his word. I'm going to believe the message of the kingdom of God at its word. Can I hear an amen? So, if Jesus was teaching to the multitudes a message of the kingdom of God, in other words, giving them everything that he has from the Father and offering it to the world, then don't you think it would be counterintuitive to the message of Christ, the message of repentance, the message of the kingdom of God, the message of salvation? Don't you think it would be counterintuitive for Jesus to only be speaking of something that would benefit you personally? Oh, God, would you heal me of this cold? Oh, God, would you restore this marriage? Oh, God, would you do this miracle? Oh, God, would you provide for this financial need? Oh, God, would you, would you help my parents through the situation that they're going through? How many of us have ever asked God for something? How many of us have ever sought after something or knocked on doors that didn't open? How many of us have looked for something that we still have not found? How many of us have asked for something on behalf of God as a petition and God still has an answer? And I've heard sermons and teaching in the past that say, you know what? God just doesn't answer it on our time and God just doesn't answer it the way we want it. Well, that's all just placating to the fact that we're trying to make sense of this passage right here in what it says, ask, seek, and knock. Oh, you know what? What ask, seek, and, 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 and knock really means is, oh, you, you know what? Well, God knows what we really need, and if it's not God's will, he, he's not going to give it to you. He's not going to provide it. That is true. But it also, guess what? It would undo Jesus' message of the kingdom of God if by saying, if Jesus says to ask, seek, and knock, and we don't receive, then Jesus is not telling us the truth. But I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus loves you. I know Jesus was, was trying to convince the multitudes that were receiving this revolutionary message of the kingdom of God to ask and you will receive. To seek and you will find it. To knock and the door shall be open. So I'm asking these hard questions of the text. I'm asking these, these, these questions that, that are helping to deliver me and free me from this burden of asking, well, God, you know, whenever I've asked for monetary gain and you didn't give it to me, but the Bible says here to ask and I'm going to receive. The Bible says seek and I'm going to find whatever I'm seeking or I'm looking for. The Bible says knock and every door that I knock on is going to open. But I know that some of us have had to deal with the harsh reality of doors being shut. And not finding what we're looking for. And not receiving what we're asking for. My wife says, so does, what does that mean? Does that mean that we stop asking? Does that mean that we stop seeking? Does that mean that we stop knocking? No. All of that remains the same. We still bring our petitions. We still bring our needs to God. But that's not what it was talking about right here in Matthew chapter 7. Everybody say, ah. So what could Jesus have been talking about and teaching about right here and, and, and it be actually, actually effectively true when he says, ask and you're going to receive, seek and you're going to find, knock and it's going to be open for you. 
So I, I went back to the, to the beginning of Matthew and I started seeing what was, what was God speaking through Matt? What was the Holy Spirit leading Matthew to do for us? And I was like, ah, ah, wow. He said, just as the Father is in heaven is good and he gives to his son everything that he wants. I'm like, ah, God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was given to us, Jesus gave us the kingdom. Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom. Jesus gave us everything that the Father had for us. And the only way to receive what the Father has for us is through who? His Son, Jesus. Every good gift is given from a Father, from the Father, because He loves us. So I'm looking at this passage, and I'm praying on this passage, and I'm saying, Father God, give me the lens Give me the discernment. Give me the judgment. Give me the ability, Father God, to see. Father God, teach me, Lord God, what is here in your word. Open my mind. Open my heart. Open our spiritual eyes that we could see beautiful things here in your word. And that's when the Lord ministered to me and said, here's something that may be helpful for the people of God. Could it be, church, that when Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, he was saying, ask. For the kingdom and you shall receive it. Could it be that Jesus was saying, seek and you shall find the kingdom? Could it be that Jesus was saying, knock on the door of the kingdom and the door shall be open for you and you and you and you and everyone? And in such way, the teaching of ask, seek and knock now brings a new meaning to the people of God that delivers us from heartbrokenness that delivers us from the the quandary of wondering whether or not God is hearing our prayers or not. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep having faith. Keep trusting in the Lord. Keep, Keep depending on Him for everything. Don't stop praying for the things that you need. Don't stop praying for the things that your family needs. Don't stop praying for our world. Don't stop praying for the brokenness in our world. Don't stop praying that God would deal with sin and conquer sin once again by the power of the cross of Calvary. Don't stop praying. Don't stop getting on your knees for your loved ones. Don't stop praying for your marriage. Don't stop praying for your children. Don't stop praying for a total reconciliation or a total restoration of what God needs to do in your life. But just know this. Just know this, people of God, that when Jesus did teach us to pray, he said, pray as such. Matthew chapter 6, once again, part of his Sermon on the Mount of teaching us what the kingdom of God is really about. He said this, pray as such. Our Father, who art in heaven, somebody say in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom come. Your will be done, not my will be done, on earth. Somebody say on earth, as it is in heaven. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of our faults. Forgive us of our shortcomings. Forgive us for our misunderstandings. Forgive us for all of my mistakes. And forgive others who have transgressed against us. Forgive others who have sinned against you. Forgive others who have hurt you. 
Forgive others who have left you high and dry. Forgive others who have caused you to be heartbroken. Forgive others who have caused you pain. Forgive others who have caused you hurt. Forgive others who have said some things that they wish that they could take back because they do have the heart of God and, and, and are believers of the word of God, but they just may not be where God is bringing you and where God is bringing us quite yet. But it's okay because you are the one. Because God has given you everything in his hands and in his power, God has given you the kingdom of God. God has given you the power to forgive anybody and everybody, no matter the hurt, no matter the pain, no matter the aggression, no matter the offense, God has given you the power to forgive. Because my Bible tells me, Jesus said, forgive one another 70 times 7. That's 490 times, which means forgive others every time they sin against you, every time they hurt you, every time they do something which, which, which causes us to want to scratch them back off the list or uncheck their name or, or, or defriend them on Facebook or keep them at a distance so that they don't hurt me again. Well, guess what? Jesus has given you the power. Jesus has given you the strength. Jesus, Jesus has given you the resurrection power. He's given you the ability to forgive everybody, no matter what they have done, just on the basis of the fact that our Father in heaven, who gives good gifts, gave us his son to forgive us of our sins. So we forgive people even if they don't come to us and say, I'm sorry, you owe me an apology. Well, you haven't said I'm sorry yet. I've been there. I've said it. We've all been there. Well, I'm not forgiven until they come and tell me what they're sorry for. Well, that's what good counseling does. Good counseling will bring us this, well, what do you need to apologize for? Because we don't know how to play, play right and fight fair, and we're still struggling in that third grade column that says works well with others. You guys remember that in, sixth, in third grade? But Jesus said, forgive one another 70 times 7. God has actually given you the strength to forgive people whether or not they come to you and seek your pardon. Why? Because Jesus has given us the kingdom. He's given us the supernatural Holy Spirit power to be and to do and to bring the kingdom living and the kingdom life and the kingdom of heaven right here with us on earth. That means in our relationships, that means there, right, right there where you're sitting, the two of you, the three of you, the one of you that's around the rest of us, guess what? The kingdom of God is here. And when you walk by yourself and go into any place you want, the kingdom of God goes with you because you've received Jesus Christ, because you've asked to receive Christ and you've received Christ and the kingdom. You've sought out God. You've sought out truth. You've sought out good news. You've sought out goodness. You've sought out love. You've sought out peace. You've sought out understanding. You've sought out wisdom. You've sought out everything that the kingdom of God gives and that we want to receive and we've received it. You've knocked on heaven's door and the Father opened it right up and says, here, come right in. Have my son. Take him. He's yours. Everything that I've done to you. Jesus was the very physical expression, the, the very incarnation of God and the kingdom of God and all of his goodness. 
You're crazy, pastor. Yes, I'm crazy enough to know that God is opening my eyes and changing my heart to see the way I'm supposed to be living. Well, I've heard people say when Jesus says, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, then turn the other cheek. I can't do that because I'm not Jesus. Well, go right ahead. You can reject Jesus. You can reject his message. You can reject the kingdom of God, and you can continue to stay, struggle. You can continue to be oppressed. You can continue to be enslaved by the flesh, enslaved by your own thoughts, by deception of the enemy. You can continue to live by anger. You can continue to live by brokenness. You can continue to be a victim. You can continue to live on a life, having to protect yourself from the hurts and the wiles of the world. But guess what? My Bible tells me we can be delivered we can be healed of every single thing that God wants to give us because he's given us his son Jesus Christ you have it all so Jesus wasn't lying when he said ask seek and knock you've had you have received you have found it the kingdom the kingdom is in you the door to the kingdom has been opened it's opening our eyes it's opening our hearts. Oh, man. The Lord's going to take you back down the trail of tears. He's going to take you back down the trail of tears of our lives to see where we've all made mistakes, where we, where we have continued to make mistakes. But guess what? Don't stay there. Ask God to, to cover that by the blood of Jesus. As my brother in Christ told me this past week, he says, you can't go there in a spirit of pride and all of a sudden start wallowing in our own guilt, in our own depression, in our own uh, disgrace, in our own unforgiveness in our own self-loathing or self-hate. No, take it to the cross. Somebody say, take it to the cross. Take it to the cross. Let Jesus deal with it. Jesus already fought our battle. That's how we fight our battles. You don't gotta fight your battles with flesh and blood. You don't gotta fight your battles with your, with your, your, your flesh and blood sword. You don't gotta fight your battle with your flesh and blood walls. You don't gotta fight your battles with your flesh and blood uh, uh, mentality of blocking other people out from your life because you've been hurt so bad. No, open yourself back up to the kingdom of God. Open yourself back up to one another. Open yourself back up to Jesus to begin and start to receive. Open yourself back up to the body of Christ and to the people of God so we can receive all of the goodness and everything that Jesus has for you. So the lens that God is giving us, the seeing, the perceiving, the looking that Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, look, see. He's teaching us how to see things, how to see through the kingdom perspective, Mama Kathy. It's changing our hearts, Mama Kathy. The lens to understand the kingdom and kingdom living is that we receive Jesus' teaching through the lens of the kingdom of God, which opens our ears, eyes, hearts, and minds, and it converts and turns into a true, actual, bona fide kingdom life. You're empowered. You're walking in the strength. You're walking in the grace. You're walking in the forgiveness. We're walking in the mercy. We're walking in the shadow of the master. 
How many of us for many years have been walking with Jesus until we couldn't give up the thing that we've been holding on to? Like a rag doll or a nursery blanket like lioness. We've been holding on to it, not knowing how to let it go and not being able to continue walking with Jesus down that road, that lonely road. Jesus says, come, come with me. You can do it. I'm with you. Come with me. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. I'll do it with you. He's inviting us to walk down the road with him. The way of the master. To deny ourselves. To deny us of being right or thinking that we're always right. The way of the master. Because without the lens of the kingdom of God and what Jesus has offered us, it becomes personal, individualistic, egocentric, self-seeking, personal gain, power-seeking, control-driven, money-chasing, organizational enslavement, and absence of love, and being very, 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 very lonely and judgmental. Ask. It's not for me. It's for one another. Seek for your brother. Knock for your sister. Go after them. Go after them. To my Teen Challenge brethren that are here, from the Ministry Institute. Go after your brother. Go after our brother. Brother, Don't let him go. Go after our sister. Go after, go after her. When she leaves prematurely, go after her. You got her number? You're not bound to an organization. You're bound to Christ. We're bound by the laws of the kingdom. And with Jesus, there is no boundary. Jesus broke free from the walls of the church to bring the message to the people. Jesus broke free. He broke the chains of tradition. Jesus broke the chains of religiosity. Jesus broke the chains of the way it had always been done. Jesus broke the chains of conventionalism. He was a radical. He was a reformer. He was a revolutionary. Jesus was God. And he's given you his authority to break the same. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking the things that you need. But know that the things that we really should be asking for and seeking and knocking for 
or the things of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, you have everything that you want. You have everything that you need. You have everything that you desire. You have the power to face every situation. Paul was right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. When we're not seeking the kingdom, when we're seeking our own kingdom, when we're seeking our own will, and we're going against the prayer in Matthew chapter 6 of the Our Father, the way Jesus taught us to pray, we seek to build our own kingdom. We make decisions according to the kingdom that we're building. In Matthew chapter 6, it says you cannot serve God and money. It's all tied together like a wonderful Wonderful teaching that never stops. The kingdom continues. And we can approach the kingdom from any point on the globe. Any point on the sphere of the kingdom. We can approach Jesus from from any which place. And God will give us what we need. And when we're not seeking the kingdom, that's when the sinful ways of the world become our desires. That means... Sinful temptation becomes harder for us to bear because we're not seeking the kingdom. And we're not realizing that we already have the power and we have already overcome and we have already conquered sin because Jesus conquered sin. The battle is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. That we realize that spiritual battle and that spiritual attack, you've already won. You've already received the victory. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to just, can you guys collaborate and, 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 and uh, talk about that song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. This is how I fight my battles. We have an amazing worship team, don't we, church? But watch this. When we seek to do things our own way, our self-centered way, our self-protecting way, making ourselves the center of everything that we do and everything that we live, and trust me, God is... God is there with all of us. I'm right there. I'm at the altar right now. My heart is right there. And I'm asking for God to come and do heart surgery on this sinner. I'm inviting you to prepare your hearts to allow the Lord to come in and do spiritual heart surgery on your life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes of what we want, and the pride of life what we think is owed to us does not come from the Father, but it comes from the world. We were all born into the world, but guess what? The minute you were born, God breathed his spirit into you. When the doctor right there spanked you on the behind and you said, <gasps> that was the spirit of God being breathed into your lungs. In other words, the power of God through his son, Jesus Christ, brought life into your body into the flesh 
into the dirt that we are. It does not come from the Father, but it comes from the world. And the world and our flesh and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. The kingdom of God is here and it is not yet. The kingdom of God is in you if you said yes to Jesus. The kingdom of God is in your life. The fullest expression of the kingdom of life is already in you.